Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Sometimes in my professional line of work, I hear somebody say something like, yeah, those virtual meetings and events are all right, but I'd rather be there in person. And I just want to go, yeah, you'd rather be with your wife in person, but that doesn't mean you don't use the telephone, right? It has its place. Well, some of the New Testament writers are like that, my friends. Hey, I'd rather be with you in person, but I can't be, so I'm writing this letter. And one of those letters, (laughs) 2 Corinthians, began with Paul saying just that. (laughs) Hello, hopeful, and welcome to episode 1941. Glad you've joined the movement of those being transformed by the reading of every word of God's revelation of himself. Uh, Well, it's his revelation that does the transforming, not my reading. But considering our own life and work stories in light of that, and I hope you're catching this week's series of Always Be Ready segments. There's some important stuff there. Paul has received criticisms from certain people in the Corinthian church. We know this from how he writes it, and we hear that in four different places that he addresses just in 2 Corinthians, two in chapter 1 and and chapter 3 and chapter 5. And in this first chunk, this first seven chapters, he quite humbly explains his decisions and conduct, which is a key lesson for us. Humble explanations may get called out as mansplaining or something, but that doesn't mean that it is so. Anyway, as Paul does so, he shows a profound understanding of Christian ministry and patiently unfolds it to the Corinthians, which is a really young church, so that they too can understand God's ways. So as we heard, Paul introduces his letter when we read the first chunk of it a couple days ago. Paul introduced the letter with words about God's comfort in affliction, and then he explains the godly reasons he changed his itinerary and sent them a confrontational letter. We pick up in chapter 1 at verse 23 and finish on through chapter 2. I call on God as a witness on my life that it was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth I do not mean that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy, because you stand firm in your faith. In fact, I made up my mind about this. I would not come to you on another painful visit. For if I cause you pain, then who will cheer me other than the one being hurt by me? I wrote this very thing so that when I came, I wouldn't have pain from those who ought to give me joy, because I'm confident about all of you that my joy will also be yours. For I wrote to you with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart, not to cause you pain, but that you should know the abundant love that I have for you. If anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. This punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. As a result, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may become overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. I wrote for this purpose, 
to test your character to see if you are obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though the Lord opened the door for me, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some... We are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter two and back on track with Second Corinthians. Thanks for hanging with me with that little interlude with Jesus and the Old Testament stuff yesterday. Um, I just couldn't help myself, but that was just some really important chapters in the Old Testament, like some of the most important ones. And I just wanted to give it its due. Turning to our Old Testament segment, we're continuing on in the book of Isaiah, but I want to kind of set up where we've been. So you catch the context of what we're going to knock down today, which is going to be a good chunk. The beginning of the book of Isaiah is like God through Isaiah saying, oh, you sinful nation. But then there is this beauty that we read yesterday. God redefines the future of his people. God does it, right? It's like your guilt is taken away, which is expressed as grace through judgment. First for Isaiah, then Judah, and now, as we're going to read today, for Israel. Now, be, careful, be, uh, be sure to catch what happens at the end of today's reading, right? Because this is for Isaiah, for Judah, for Israel, and by extension, you and me. We pick up in Isaiah chapter 9 at verse 8 and make it up through chapter 12 today. And just in case you're newer around here, today is going to be one of those days I read the little headings in the Bible so you kind of catch the the definition of these little chunks, right? So like, this is a hand raised against Israel, which is judgment of the northern kingdom, right? That's not in the actual biblical text, but so you know kind of what the sections are and it doesn't just all blur together. The Lord sent a message against Jacob. It came against Israel. All the people, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria will know it. They will say with pride and arrogance, The bricks have fallen, but we will rebuild in with cut stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we'll replace them with cedars. The Lord has raised up Rezin's adversaries against him and stirred up his enemies. Aram from the east and Philistia from the west have consumed Israel with open mouths. In all this, his anger has not been turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. The people did not turn to him who struck them. They did not seek the Lord of armies. So the Lord cut off Israel's head and tail, 
palm branch, and reed in a single day. The head is the elder, the honored one. The tail is the prophet, the one teaching lies. The leaders of the people mislead them, and those they mislead are swallowed up. Therefore the Lord does not rejoice over Israel's young men, and has no compassion on its fatherless and widows, for everyone is a godless evildoer, and every mouth speaks folly. In all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. For wickedness burns like a fire that consumes thorns and briars, and kindles the forest thickets, so that they go up in a column of smoke. The land is scorched by the wrath of the Lord of armies, and the people are like fuel for the fire. No one has compassion on his brother. They carve meat on the right, but they're still hungry. They have eaten on the left, but they're still not satisfied. Each one eats the flesh of his arm. Manasseh eats Ephraim, and Ephraim eats Manasseh. Together both are against Judah in all this. His anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. Woe to those enacting crooked statutes and writing oppressive laws to keep the poor from getting a fair trial and to deprive the needy from among my people of justice so that widows can be their spoil and they can plunder the fatherless. What will you do on the day of punishment when devastation comes from far away? Who will you run to for help? Where will you leave your wealth? There will be nothing to do except crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. In all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is still raised to strike. All right, next section. Assyria, the instrument of wrath, which is both the instrument of wrath and judgment of the Assyrians, okay? Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my wrath. I will send him against a godless nation. I will command him to go against a people destined for my rage, to take spoils, to plunder, and to trample them down like clay in the streets. But this is not what he intends. This is not what he plans. It is his intent to destroy and to cut off many nations. For he says, Aren't all my commanders kings? Isn't Kalmo like Carchemish? Isn't Hamath like Arpad? Isn't Samaria like Damascus? As my hand seized the kingdoms of worthless images, kingdoms whose idols exceeded those of Jerusalem and Samaria, and as I did to Samaria and its worthless images, will I not also do to Jerusalem and its idols? Judgment on Assyria. But when the Lord finishes all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for his arrogant acts and the proud look in his eyes. For he said... I have done this by my own strength and wisdom, for I am clever. I abolished the borders of nations and plundered their treasures like a mighty warrior. I subjugated the inhabitants. My hand has reached out as if into a nest to seize the wealth of the nations. Like one gathering abandoned eggs, I gathered the whole earth. No wing fluttered, no beak opened or chirped. Does an axe exalt itself above the one who chops with it? Does a saw magnify itself above the one who saws with it? It would be like a rod waving the one who lifts it. It would be like a staff lifting the one who isn't wood. Therefore, the Lord God of armies will inflict an emaciating disease on the well-fed of Assyria, and he will kindle a burning fire under its glory. 
Israel's light will become a fire, and its holy one, a flame. In one day it will burn and consume Assyria's thorns and thistles. He will completely destroy the glory of its forests and orchards as a sickness consumes a person. The remaining trees of its forest will be so few in number that a child could count them. Next section, the remnant will return. On that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no longer depend on the one who struck them, but they will faithfully depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. The remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. Israel, even if your people were as numerous as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Destruction has been decreed, justice overflows, for throughout the land the Lord God of armies is carrying out a destruction that was decreed. Therefore the Lord God of armies says this, My people who dwell in Zion do not fear Assyria. Though they strike you with a rod and raise their staff over you as the Egyptians did, in just a little while my wrath will be spent and my anger will turn to their destruction." And the Lord of armies will brandish a whip against him as he did when he struck Midian at the rock of Oreb. And he will raise his staff over the sea as he did in Egypt. God will judge Assyria. Next section. On that day, his burden will fall from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because of your neck, because your neck will be too large. Assyria has come from Ioth and has gone through Migron, storing their equipment at Michmash. They crossed over at the ford saying, We'll spend the night at Geba. The people of Ramah are trembling. Those at Gibeah of Saul have fled. Cry aloud, daughter of Galim. Listen, Lysha. Anathoth is miserable. Madmanah has fled. The inhabitants of Gebim have sought refuge. Today the Assyrians will stand at Nob, shaking their fists at the daughter Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. And look. The Lord God of armies will chop off the branches with terrifying power, and the tall trees will be cut down, the high trees felled. He is clearing the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon with its majesty will fall. Next section, Reign of the Davidic King. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be his belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf the young lion and the fattened calf will be together and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like a cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain 
for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. Israel Regathered On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who survive from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the coasts and islands of the west. He will lift up a banner for the nations and gather the dispersed of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Ephraim's envy will cease. Judah's harassing will end. Ephraim will no longer be envious of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. But they will swoop down on the Philistine flank to the west. Together they will plunder the people of the east. They will extend their power over Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be their subjects. The Lord will divide the gulf of Suez. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates with his mighty wind and will split it into seven streams, letting people walk through on foot. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people who will survive from Assyria, as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. And finally, my friends, a song of praise. On that day, you will say, I will give thanks to you, Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid. For the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name, make his works known among the peoples. Declare that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry out and sing, citizen of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in his greatness. Lord, we look forward to a restoration of God's exiled people, both how you fulfilled that prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus and how there was the double meaning that that we can take to heart, Lord, that, that in fact, you will restore us, that we can count on justice, Lord, Lord, I just pray that we get a clear sense of the messianic age of God's people being one of restoration to former glory, what you intended. And though exiled throughout the world, Lord, even now, would you lead people to the promised land in a grand new exodus? Lord, we trust you for this. We beseech you, Lord, that you would give us the courage to recognize that there but for the grace of God go we. And Lord, that we would do whatever it takes to reach out to the lost, knowing that their eternal destinies are hanging the balance. Lord, thank you for your grace through judgment. Then and now, we love you. 
and I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.